Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Welcome, and as we celebrate the holidays, we look for a time of merriment and cheer. But for millions, indeed billions of voiceless animals trapped in factory farms and trapped in laboratories, there is no holiday. There is no holiday from suffering. And I am with one of my heroes today, Shannon Keith. This woman I have known for decades, and she is on the forefront Um, risking her life, going undercover, uh, doing extraordinary things for animals to show you what is really happening to animals so that we wake up as a culture and stop torturing them. So, Shannon, you've done an incredible film called Behind the Mask, which was actually edited right here, and it was an award-winning film. And we always have, of course, little Rico here to remind people of what this is all really about, these beautiful beings that are just like our dogs and cats that are trapped in laboratories and um, in other institutions that I would call institutionalized sadism. So Shannon Keith, without further ado, tell us what you've been doing with the famous Beagle Rescue Project, which is now Rescue and Freedom Project, which literally gets animals out of labs who would otherwise remain tortured and be killed. Thanks, Jane. And by the way, you did a great job in Behind the Mask. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so Rescue and Freedom Project, we expanded Beagle Freedom Project because it wasn't all about beagles. We always intended to rescue all animals from laboratory research. So from the beginning, we've been rescuing dogs of all breeds, cats, goats, pigs, guinea pigs, rabbits, ferrets, any animal that a laboratory will release, we will take them. So what we've been doing is rescuing since 2010, now over 2,000 animals from laboratory research. We've also passed legislation in several states, including right here in California, making it mandatory for facilities to release dogs and cats after the testing is over to a rescue, to a 501c3 nonprofit rescue. Now, of course, we're against testing altogether, but we all know that that's not going to happen overnight. So this is the very first step in educating the public and getting this on the agenda for legislators to understand that this is actually still happening, that the same dogs and cats we share our homes with are the ones that are being tested and tortured. So, yeah. And, you know, one of the things is that I think that we've all been sold a bill of goods that laboratory animal testing has somehow ended because there have been some victories. There have been victories with chimpanzees and the National Institutes of Health, where I believe a majority of them have been retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that doesn't mean that there aren't tons of other animals, billions of other animals that are being bred, that are being kidnapped from the wild. And, you know, you originally became famous as Beagle Freedom Project. I remember walking down the street one day in Soho and every single store said Beagle Freedom Project (laughs) on its uh, storefront, like giant signs. And I I went, wow, Uh, Shannon Keith and Beagle Freedom Project have arrived. But not content to rescue beagles, which is an amazing accomplishment in its own right, uh, Shannon said, I'm going to actually expand this organization to rescue 
other animals as well that we don't normally think of as being in labs. Animals like goats and uh, pigs. So tell us about that because truly the forgotten animals, while, while dogs are tortured, while cats are tortured, I think there's a greater awareness in the public's mind that that's happening and they want to stop it. But the worst part, I think, is that people aren't even aware that pigs are being tortured, that other animals are being tortured, or they believe that smaller animals don't really count. Like, because they're tiny, they don't have feelings, which is nonsense. Of course they do. So will you tell us, Shannon, about what you've been doing in that regard? Yeah, definitely. That's a great point, Jane, is that most people don't really think about the other animals. There are so many small animals are being used in testing that are tortured and abused, like rats, mice, and rabbits. The amount of rabbits that we've rescued from laboratory research is phenomenal. Um, people don't recognize their feelings as sentient beings. I've talked to many people who work in laboratory research, and they say that the way they kill them is they just slam them onto tables, that they don't really care about them, that they'll just throw them in the trash and beat on them and stomp on them. They aren't given the same sort of, um, you know, whatever attention that maybe dogs and cats are, even though they're being tortured as well. Um, we recently opened up a rescue and outreach center where it was a home to uh, two amazing goats that we also rescued from laboratory research, Kenny and Dolly, who Dolly was used as a meat breeding goat for many, many years. So she constantly was impregnated and had her babies taken from her. Then she was sold to a research facility to be tested on. She was about 10 years old or is about 10 years old. And same thing with Kenny and they both have horrible arthritis. They were living at our sanctuary that recently got burned down in the Agora Hills Malibu fires. And so now they're in a temporary sanctuary at Second Street Hooligans, who are an amazing organization. But we are also looking to rebuild our sanctuary now so that we can put special needs animals there, like Kenny and Dolly, who can't really go into a home, like the rabbits as well. And some of the special needs dogs that we rescue who... <sighs> they are still semi-feral. They are afraid to be in a home. They're afraid of people. We want a safe place for them to go. So we do need support for that as well. Yeah, you're an amazing organization. And I was just so honored to be the MC of your uh, major event uh, at this new facility that you had just built in sort of Malibu area, Calabasas, Malibu, and it was just an incredible facility, and we met all the animals, we raised funds, and then the fires came in and destroyed the facility that they had just built, which is, you know, a punch to the stomach after all the work with all of your volunteers, with your entire team working so hard around the clock to create this facility, and then um, the fires come in, and I was up there in Malibu. It was like apocalypse. Uh, and thank God you got all your animals out. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was probably the scariest moment of my life. Um, we had heard that the fires were happening and then it was a voluntary evacuation. And uh, we brought our rescue vehicle up to the place and got everything prepared just in case anything was going to happen. However, we were told nothing was going to happen. The fires weren't going to hit um, the rescue sanctuary. However, at 3.30 in the morning, I got a call from our animal caretaker saying they were being evacuated. The fires had hit the sanctuary. And so myself and our vice president, April, we jumped in the car. We drove up there through literal fires to get there. We had to beg the officers to let us through. They said there was no way you can get through. And I was just like, nope, we're getting in. We're getting our animals out. And he said, you've got 10 minutes. And um, we just hauled, you know what, and we got the animals out. Um, 
we will stop at nothing. I mean, this is what we do for our lives. And this, this is an organization that I spent my whole life creating. And um, of course, I didn't want to die in a fire. But at the same time, it was worth the risk. And the animals are safe. And that is something that we will always do. We will always put them first. Now, how can people help now? Because I know what you do is so important. Shannon Keith has been one of the major voices to keep the issue of animals and laboratories alive. They don't want you to think about that. And they want to put products um, that are marketed as natural out, pretending that they're not tested on animals. But unless you see that little pink bunny, uh, there's a couple of them. There's the leaping bunny and there's the bunny with the ears. Unless you see that, don't buy that product because likely it is tested on animals. I am talking about everything from, you know, I just had an event here for our contributors and, uh, I was. I noticed that there was uh, some water spots on the glass in my shower, and I asked the one of the guys out here who works around. He knows everything, you know, like a handyman. He said, "Oh, you have to buy this product," and of course, it was a chemical laden product, which undoubtedly was tested on animals. So the first thing I did was say, "Let's go online and find homeopathic remedies." I immediately found that white vinegar sprayed repeatedly uh, will eliminate it. And guess what? I did that three times, waited overnight, and it was gone. But this is the kind of decision-making that we have to make because all of these products, we, we are not aware of the massive amounts of products. Anytime you see new and improved, undoubtedly they have stuck mice in these tiny little um like it looks like a bottle and then they pump them with chemicals until they die. I mean, when you see the images and we're not going to show you those images today because we don't want to give you nightmares. But when you see those images, you realize how morally reprehensible it is. And they would, they love to say, well, this is a life or death matter that this is something that uh, essentially we have to do. Otherwise many people will die. And it's a scan, it's a con, because A, we don't have tails, we don't have snouts, and we don't have paws. And when they do these tests and they say, well, you know, now the animal's tail twitched when it was convulsing in pain, that has nothing to do with human beings. And indeed, a lot of the products that are tested on animals and proved, oh, safe for this particular animal or that particular species, when it gets to the market and human beings try it, it's not safe for humans. They have terrifically awful reactions. So where, where do we stand as a culture right now with animal testing? I know that, and I was very involved in passing the Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Act here in California, right on. It says that you can't sell any product no matter where it's made in California if it's tested on animals. There is a bit of a loophole which was demanded by the other side. Remember, the giant pharmaceutical industries brought out uh, a huge amount of lobbying pressure to try to kill this bill. So for those who say it's not perfect, well, it's a huge leap forward. And the only way it was going to get signed by the governor, the only way it was going to get through was to say, uh, well, uh, if, if another country requires these tests, then you can still do them while doing the alternatives. It introduces all these companies to the alternative non-animal testing and it allows us to focus on China, which we are going to do, and we are doing a whole bunch of organizations are focusing on China to get them to remove that restriction, to wit, 
Paul Mitchell Systems, which is a very huge company that has never tested on animals, is selling in China, despite their requirement for testing on beauty products and cosmetics. So it can be done, and we are going to be doing it. But, but bring us up today. Where do we stand as a culture on animal testing? We've come such a long way. I mean, like you were saying, it's just amazing what you did with California. It is huge. And, you know, as you were also saying about legislation, sometimes the problem is it does have to get watered down in order for it to pass. But the important thing is getting the information out there, getting this on the table in front of legislators, getting the information out there to the public because people still don't know that animals are being tested on, especially for products and cosmetics. If you walk into a mall and you go to the Estee Lauder counter and ask if they test on animals, they'll tell you no, because that's what the people selling those products believe, but it's not true. We have come such a long way. And I'd like to say also it's a lot because of Beagle Freedom Project that we have rescued these animals who are ambassadors for the cause. I've never seen so much of a change as when people actually meet survivors. They look into their eyes and they see what they've gone through. And they know that they can never again purchase a product tested on animals because they've met that survivor and that is a real face. Um, People uh, are using our Cruelty Cutter app, which I think is also a great way to educate and to shop cruelty-free. And that is a free app that we have. It's called Cruelty Cutter. You scan a barcode. It instantly tells you if the product was tested on animals or not. And that has exploded. And it has been a great way. It works all over the world to get people to not only shop cruelty-free, but to be activists. There are so many people who are against this, but don't have the time to put into it, don't have the money to put into it. But certainly everybody shops and they can definitely now shop cruelty free. So we're getting there. Yeah, it's such an easy app. You can just download it on your phone. Please do it today. Cruelty Cutter. You go up to something, you scan the barcode. It's genius. And uh, we need more people to use Cruelty Cutter. We need you. If I ever look down or I disappear, it's because I'm sharing this video. We need you to share this video because it's only through social media that we're going to be able to alert the world. It's, they don't discuss this on mainstream media. Why? Look at the TV commercials. Per, virtually everything that is advertised on television, if it's not a pharma, pharmaceuticals tested on animals, uh, fast food, which kills animals, they're not going to discuss this. Uh, indeed, people often make fun of PETA saying, oh, you know, they do outlandish things like the lettuce ladies, you know, models in uh, skimpily clad to... Uh, promote uh, an issue. PETA holds serious news conferences all the time that get zero coverage. They have 19 lawyers. They are constantly filing Freedom of Information Act requests, filing lawsuits, doing campaigns that the media completely ignores. And then in an act of desperation to get the word out about something, they do something outlandish, knowing the media is going to cover it and then just criticize them, but at least they get the word out. So when you um, don't see this discussed on mainstream media know that it's because there is a mainstream media news blackout on animal rights because we live in a system that exploits animals in every single way possible and there's a hell of a lot of money at stake so we're not going to be able to go on uh, the major networks and have these conversations because you can't just show up and go on they have to invite you on and they're not inviting us on they you know, rather talk about uh, politics, which is important, or celebrity scandal or murder of humans, anything but discuss this issue, which is so closely aligned, frankly, with climate change. You know, the fires 
that destroyed your facility and so many other homes, uh, wiping out Paradise, California, for example, are caused by, uh, in large part, animal agriculture. It's a leading cause of climate change, responsible for more greenhouse gases than all transportation combined. Do you hear that on the mainstream media? Of course not. But if you Google it, the United Nations issued that report years ago, and World Bank economists have said they underestimated it, that it's actually the leading cause. So there are um, debates about, well, is it the second leading cause, the third leading cause, or the leading cause? But you'd think you'd hear about it. No, you hear about people telling you to change your light bulbs and to drive electric cars. That's fine. I drive a Prius. But the point is that animal agriculture is a leading cause of climate change beyond all transportation combined, and they do not talk about it. And just ask yourself why. Follow the money. And so isn't it ironic that something that also exploits animals ended up hitting you really badly. Can you talk a little bit about that and your emotions regarding that? Definitely. You know, this was something that took so long to put together and so many supporters were involved in this and donating to it, volunteering their time, their efforts, their money. It was just a, a life goal. And, and, you know, not only was it so scary driving through the fires and seeing everything around us and the animals so deathly afraid of this, having just been rescued, just come from animal research facilities and now they're in the middle of fires and we have to move fast. We can't be so gentle in getting them into the in the crate and into the car. We we just had to hurry and just kind of just get everybody in and get everybody out. Um, it was heartbreaking and um, definitely uh, touched us in a way that um, not, nothing really has. Um, in terms of the people who live there, caretakers, that was horrible. They lost everything as well. Uh, the owner of the facility, she lost a lot as well. And the whole thing has been completely heartbreaking for us. We definitely need to build a new facility very, very quickly so we can get the animals out of temporary foster and back into our place. Now, how do we do that? Where, if people want to donate, where do they go? As soon as this live broadcast is over, we're going to put the URL up in the uh, description, but I can put it in the comment section now. Great. Um, you can go to rescuefreedomproject.org. Well, that's easy. Rescuefreedomproject.org. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously going to be a donate button there. Right. Um, now, uh, you are a 501c3, so any donation is 100% tax deductible. We know a lot of people at the end of the year want to do these last you know, 11th hour donations. This, I can tell you, I will testify in a court of law, is one of the most amazing groups on the planet, worth every penny. They they work tirelessly. Um, they are so conservative with how they spend their money. It's not like these organizations where I go and I look at some of these other organizations where, and I'm not talking about animal organizations. For the most part, animal organizations Everybody's about the animals. But some of these organizations, their CEOs are making half a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. No. You know, very few um, dollars percentage-wise go to saving animals. And most of it goes to saving dogs and cats, which is fine. But these animals, which are include dogs and cats, but also include other animals trapped in laboratories right now in windowless buildings where their screams cannot be heard outside. They, they need your help. And Rescue Freedom Project is 
doing it. They are bringing, bringing these animals out. In fact, one of our most successful videos of 2018 was a Lunch Break Live we did with, um, I would have to say, a very handsome Spaniard. You know who I'm talking about, <laughs> Bruno. He had a, he rescued a beagle. It got like, I don't know how many, well over 100,000 views. Uh, and he made paella and he introduced the beagle he rescued from a laboratory and it just touched everybody's hearts. It was one of our most successful wow. videos. <laughs> and, um, and the paella tasted great too. It was a <laughs> vegan paella, of course. Um, and um, so when people see these animals, one of your videos that went viral was uh, the video that um, showed the beagles who it, you had rescued from laboratories walking out of their cages and touching grass for the first time. Tell us about how that went viral and really put you on the map as an organization. You know, that's something that took a lot of time to get together. And when we got notice that there were beagles that were going to be released from a laboratory, of course, I was so ecstatic and jumped at the chance. I had no idea that I could even get dogs out of a laboratory. Just so happened that there was a facility up north that was closing for the holidays and they didn't want to pay their staff to care for the dogs. They were going to kill them instead. Luckily, a compassionate person who worked there convinced the head technician to let those beagles go. And we were able to get the first two beagles out. Woo! Freedom and Bigsby, who changed my life and uh, put Beagle Freedom Project, now Rescue Freedom Project, on the map. When I went to go rescue them, all these thoughts were going through my head like, oh, I can't wait to see them. When I open the crate, it's going to be the first time they've ever been outside. They're going to run. They're going to be so happy. Um, unfortunately, the opposite was true. When I first saw them, they were shaking. They were salivating. They were sitting in their own defecation. We brought them out to the sunshine in the grass. We opened the first crate, and Freedom, he just would not leave that crate it took 20 minutes for him to take his first step onto the grass. And when he did, he lifted his paw up quickly. He didn't know what that meant. He looked up at the sun and squinted his eyes. And slowly he walked over to Bigsby, the other beagle. He touched his nose and then Bigsby walked out. Aww. Yeah. yeah. And then within short order, as the video unfolds, they start running around in circles when they realize they're free. And anybody, you know, who's got any empathy for, for any sentient being trapped in a cage for their whole lives would have to just tear up looking at that video. And, you know, those are the lucky few. These are ambassadors. There are still so many animals trapped in labs. Um, by the way, for legal reasons, I say um, Estee Lauder or any other company that tests on animals is invited on any time to discuss this. In fact, we would love to dialogue with them because um, the, the idea of doing something just because that's the way it's been done uh, is you know, mind boggling to, to people who are rescuing these animals. And it's actually in the long run going to be a lot of cheaper, a lot less expensive for these companies when they make the transition. And uh, so, yes, any company uh, that wants to uh, discuss this, you are invited on Jane Unchained anytime. We would love to hear your thoughts. 
So uh, we're going to take a brief break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. I'm urging everybody on Facebook to share this video, and we have some comments from our Facebook viewers. So let's take a quick break, and we're going to take the comments while we're in the commercial break here. But we're live on Facebook. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Financial freedom and money are subjects that many people are uncomfortable discussing. These don't have to be. Listen for Money, Mindset, and Love with Thomas DeShooter. We're all about sharing ideas with tips, amazing guests, and input from you, the listeners. It's time to dream big and help each other reach our goals. Not only will you get closer to financial freedom, but you'll learn more about spirituality, work-life balance, and empowerment. Listen live Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Influencers. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
All right, welcome back. We're here with our mascot, Little Rico, who's a rescue from Puerto Rico. And uh, Shannon Keith, one of my heroes, she is a, a multifaceted animal activist, but currently, and for many years, the director of Rescue and Freedom Project, which used to be Beagle Freedom Project. And uh, you wanted to talk about how all of this is interconnected. So take it away. Definitely. Something that's so critical is that we all share this world together. And we are a vegan organization. Don't put it in everybody's faces, but we are. And so I've been vegan now for over 20 years and noticed a change in my life as well. It opens up the whole world to compassion for everything. Uh, something amazing that I noticed within the organization is that several of our fosters and adopters that we know of who started out as meat eaters started this journey because they saw a trapped beagle in a cage and they wanted help. They were against animal testing. They downloaded the cruelty cutter app. They started seeing how much is tested on animals and the cruelty that's prolific in our world. And then they just started doing their own research about animal agriculture and what happens to animals you know, for food and the horrors. This is an animal holocaust that we're living in. They began doing their own research, and I can tell you that over half now of our fosters and adopters who started out eating animals are now either vegetarian or vegan. But they had to do this on their own and start their own journey. And I, what I think is critical is that when we educate people about how everything is intertwined and about going vegan, I think it's really important for people to make their own decisions, but to inform them. And in whatever way they're going to take that journey, we should present that in a gentle fashion so that they know that this is something that is going to last forever. It's something critical to what we do. You made a, an excellent point. There are animal groups out there that are raising funds for conservation, for example, and then you see them serving meat at their events. And it's just insane because actually animal agriculture is the leading cause of wildlife extinction. Yes, we like to think of these brutes who go out there and shoot a giraffe like that sport. I mean, my God, a gentle creature that nibbles on leaves and you go up there with a high powered rifle and probably, you know, three assistants and blow their brains out. And, and you think that sport, it's the ultimate cowardice. But that is not the reason why wildlife extinction is accelerating at an alarming rate. The reason why wildlife extinction is accelerating at an alarming rate where we have reduced uh, the population of wildlife by more than 60% on this planet, more than 60% of all wildlife has now been wiped out. And if we continue at this pace, we will have no wildlife, virtually no wild animals with bones, wildlife vertebrates on this planet in a decade. Uh, they'll only exist in zoos. I'm talking about koala bears and zebras and giraffes and rhinos and leopards and tigers. I mean, there, in some cases, there are only one or two left, okay, even now. And so the reason that's happening is that we are mowing down their habitat. They need to live somewhere. And we are destroying forests at an alarming rate. Every second that we talk, more forests are being mowed down. And what are they being mowed down for? To grow crops to feed farm animals. We are only 7.6 billion humans. We raise and kill 74 
billion land animals, not including fish, and kill them every year. Those animals eat almost 40% more than what they produce as food. So 70% of all soy is fed to farm animals. People don't realize that. The numbers are staggering with corn and other staples. And it, it's actually also contributing to human world hunger because if we fed that corn and that soy and the other grains that we feed animals directly to humans that are starving, we could pretty much end world hunger. But we're destroying the habitat, the wild habitat of wild animals in order to grow crops and also to provide grazing land for animals. So I like to say we're giving planet Earth a buzz cut. So when you get in a plane and you fly, what you're going to see is green, green, green. But if you look closely, it's not a forest. It's a farm. It's, 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 it's land that is cropland. And that cropland is growing crops for animals. Meat is the most inefficient food source on the planet. It takes 8 to 15 pounds of grain to produce one pound of steak. So you cannot call yourself, you could call yourself anything. I could call myself a Nobel Prize winner, but I'm not. I can't, you can't call yourself an environmentalist if you're eating animals because that's what's causing climate change. So uh, when you make this connection, you said more than 50%. We've been talking a lot on this show on uh, Jane Unchained about how to approach people because if you hit them with facts, it doesn't seem to work. And people, you know, Food is very primal, um, just like the products that they want. You know, people say to me, well, it's a choice. I want convenience. It's difficult for me to do these things. And I understand that. I understand it's difficult. You know, if good choices were easy, everybody would be making good choices. But good choices are often the hardest choices to make. But in the case of eating a plant-based diet, it's not that hard anymore. I mean, they've got vegan cheeses that are indistinguishable, like Miyoko's and Chow and Daya and Follow Your Heart and, and vegan butters and vegan mayonnaises and vegan everything, vegan ice cream. Ben and Jerry's has a vegan ice cream. It's indistinguishable from animal products. Impossible Foods makes the Impossible Burger. Beyond Meat makes the Beyond Meat Burger. I mean, there's so many options out there. Um, where are you on that? Where do you think we're going? Oh, we're definitely going in the right direction. It's actually really exciting. And we're kind of spoiled, Jane, because we're in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've got amazing options. Um, but I, I know that we have great options in other states as well. I know people all over the world, actually, who are fosters and adopters and, supportive of, and supporters of ours who, like I said, have gone vegetarian or vegan after discovering the Rescue and Freedom Project or Beagle Freedom Project. And um, it's just surprising how many products come out. And like you said, Jane, with Ben and Jerry's, I mean, they have now vegan options. And um, so do all these other companies that they're coming, they're realizing there's a demand for it and they're making it happen. And we see it more and more. It seems like almost every day there's a new product that's vegan or a new company that's not vegan that's making a vegan product, as well as new restaurants popping up all over the place that are either 100% vegan or have amazing vegan options it's really exciting so what we're talking about mostly is replacement you know dr Celeste rao is one of my heroes he's instrumental in creation of the internet and now he's using that same systems he's a systems analyst he's creating systems to try to achieve a vegan world within the next decade to prevent all the wildlife from going extinct he says you can't just protest something that's bad you got to replace it with something better so the commonality of everything we're talking about is 
yeah, we have to replace animal products with cruelty-free products that are healthier for us because plants have no cholesterol and heart disease is America's leading killer and processed meat is officially cancer-causing. Uh, and we've also got to replace these, these products that are tested on animals with either, we don't even have to change the products. I mean, frankly, um, well, we do have to change the products. I think that there is, and you can discuss this because you know about uh, animal experimentation. If you have a cruelty-free product, it's more likely to be good for you because it has fewer chemicals. Exactly. And can we, the, people, I think this is something that very few people understand. You use, they use the word fragrance. That can mean anything. They have these words that they slip in and we don't even know how these chemicals interact. The average American woman pours, I don't know, something like 125 chemicals on her body every day. And um, those are in, in these beauty products, which is ironic. And they're absolutely unnecessary and they can be harmful. Definitely. They're very harmful. So are um, the makeup products that you use that are not cruelty-free because what people don't know is to create certain types of color, you have to kill animals. So you have to kill certain types of insects to create a certain red color. Those things are not discussed. They come up with certain terminology that, you know, you look at the back of a product or something and you don't know what it is, so you're not going to ask. Um, you just figure, well, if it says it's organic um, or natural, which any company can use, it doesn't mean that it's natural and it doesn't mean it's organic. There are no standards for that really, or the standards are very lax. Um, you're putting dead insects on your body, on your face, and you're putting a ton of chemicals on yourself as well. You're, this is cancer creating as well. So when you're buying cruelty-free products and vegan products, and the two usually go hand in hand, you're sure to be putting natural products on yourself that are plant-derived, that are nature-derived, that are not going to hurt you or harm you in the future. Now, Tammy Ellis says we need billboard advertising. Well, we need a lot of advertising. You know, part of the problem is uh, you can't advertise for a disease you never got. Okay, so everybody's like, you know, march for this, march for that. Let's find a cure for this, that, and the other. You notice how they never quite find the cure? Okay, and they keep getting all this money and they keep torturing all these animals and they keep living in their big houses and taking their huge salaries while beating their chests about how wonderful they are. Uh, one of the things that they don't look at is, as much as they should, how to prevent the disease from happening in the first place. Oh, we're going to look for the cure. We're going to look for the cure. We just mentioned that processed meat is cancer-causing. So... Wouldn't it be smarter just not to eat the cancer-causing substance than to wait for people to get cancer and then uh, do a lot of animal testing, which has not proved to be uh, that uh, effective on humans? So one of, the one of the factors that is really subtle that people miss is in this cure, cure, cure obsessed culture is that, A, the cures don't seem to be actually coming down the pike even though they're raising millions and millions and millions of dollars and living very well in the process. And they're not talking about preventing the diseases from happening in the first place. It's interconnected because some of the animal experimentation is for human health. Let's stop heart disease. Let's torture a bunch of dogs and see how long they march on a treadmill till they collapse foaming at the mouth because they've been run on a treadmill and see if that somehow relates to some human disease. Heart disease is America's leading killer. It kills one out of every four of us, okay? 
Heart disease is essentially, if you boil it down to its essence, caused by arteries to the heart getting clogged with plaque. Plaque comes from cholesterol. Cholesterol is from animal products. We're animals. We produce our own cholesterol. If we have high cholesterol, unless we have a genetic predisposition, which is very rare, it's because we're eating too many meat and dairy products. Can you talk a little bit about that, like the scam that's being perpetrated on America where these massive organizations are raising huge amounts of money and what the health documented that some of them are taking money from the animal and the meat and pharmaceutical industries, which is interesting. So it's a conflict of interest and uh, they're not talking about prevention. Yeah, I've done a lot of research and interviewed a lot of doctors about this. These are biologists and doctors who had to do animal testing, or they say they had to, to you know, become doctors and what they do. And um, they completely changed their mindset after doing it for so long. What they said to me, and this is so shocking to me, was animal testing does not produce any sort of reliable data or cures for anything. The reason that animal testing still exists in the biomed industry is because it produces a lot of data. That data can be used to apply for grants. Those grants bring in millions and millions of dollars for universities, for the facilities they work for, and that's what they want. And that pays for their salaries, that pays for a new building, that pays for janitor services, it pays for everything. So if you look at it on the grand scheme of things, Sure, using hundreds and hundreds of mice and rats and rabbits and dogs and cats and goats and pigs, they're going to create a ton of data, but it's useless. But, you know, here's what, what I don't get. Um, I understand that these are vast bureaucracies where people are often, you know, for example, the USDA is packed with people from the meat and dairy industry, um, the uh, uh, NIH correct me if I'm wrong, has a lot of people from the pharmaceutical industry in there. Every so often there's some scandal where, you know, it's revealed what the, how, how insidious the connections are. So it's corrupt. That's, it may not be legally corrupt, but it is morally corrupt. But at a certain point, I just, I'm so boggled by the idea that these people, I'll give you an example. For a long time, I don't know how many years, I, I don't want to be inaccurate, but it was a very many, many years they did these, maternal deprivation experiments on baby monkeys where they would take the baby monkey from the mother they would sedate the mother so the mother's out and then they would scare the baby monkey and the baby monkey would be trying to wake mommy up wake up wake up but mommy can't wake up because mommy's sedated they did this not once but a a mind-boggling number of times over years and they were getting money for it PETA filed a Freedom of Information Act request to get the footage, knowing that once America and the world saw the video of this barbarism and this medieval fake science, that there would be outrage. Of course, I believe it was the NIH who fought, fought, fought to keep this video secret. That tells you something right there. Well, they finally got the video, and even members of Congress were like, what the bleep? This is any any 12-year-old could tell you this is not real science once, much less hundreds and hundreds of times over years, and the funding was finally cut. Why? How can people sleep at night 
doing these experiments. And, and by the way, that's why there are a lot of whistleblowers, because they get these jobs and they see how idiotic they are. And then they, they contact an organization and say, I can't sleep. I can't live with myself. Definitely. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Jane, because we do have um, a confidential hotline. You can go to our website at rescuefreedomproject.org and click on confidential whistleblower. And you can send, it'll go directly to me, a confidential email about anything that you've seen. Uh, we get a lot of information from people all over the world who are mortified at what they're seeing. And we take action. We do everything that we can. In fact, we are co-plaintiffs with PETA in a lawsuit against the USDA. The USDA wants to make sure that animals are completely blacked out. So what they did last year is they took down all their data from animal um, facilities where they're being tested on, puppy mills, all the animal abuse complaints, they removed it completely. And so we filed a lawsuit with PETA and a couple of other organizations to make sure that Everybody, A, knows about this, and B, we succeed, and they get that information back up there because what's so sad is right now, all of these animals are in the dark. They have, they didn't have a voice before, and they have seriously a negative voice right now. We have to fight for them. Uh, that is, is so awful, and I remember when the USDA uh, took down the information. It was the one time I think that the media actually covered it. I know Rachel Maddow talked about it, yeah. uh, which was good. That's a breakthrough. We applaud that. It takes this kind of blatant, and it, and it was discussed because it was a political move uh, by the Trump administration, and uh, so it became a political story, and that's why it was discussed. But it, it you know, it, it just was discussed, and then it kind of went away. And there was some kind of backtracking because there was such an outrage. The, the USA did backtrack and, and put something up. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they put a very minuscule amount of information up saying, we're putting information back up, but it, it really didn't. At the end of the day, hardly any information up there. We're still in a lawsuit. We're actually in an appeal with them right now. Um, and it's interesting because the Trump administration was saying they had nothing to do with this. And right after it happened, we uh, saw a tweet from somebody who worked with Obama saying that several times the USDA approached um, Obama asking to do this, and he rejected it. So uh, interesting that that information was out there and that they completely got outed. But we're not going to stop until this information is back up there because it is the only way to track how animals are being treated, where they are, and what we can do to fight for them. We can't even file freedom of information requests anymore mm. because we don't even know where they are. Mm. That's how hidden they are right now. Oh, my God. That is so horrifying. Now, again, tell us. Please share this video. Donate to Rescue and Freedom Project. And tell us the website once again. Thanks so much. It's rescuefreedomproject.org. And there's a donate button there. Anything you can do is really, really helpful. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rescue Freedom Project. If you go to our Instagram last couple of posts, you'll really see the amazing work that we do. You're going to see a dog named Winnie who we rescued who now lives with our vice president who has night terrors still from what she endured in the laboratory. And luckily, she has the most amazing home. But these are the souls that we save who are ambassadors for our cause, who teach people to be compassionate, to stop purchasing products, tested on animals, and to go vegan. How do you do it? Because I know you've looked, I have to look at some tough footage uh, 
editing and um, managing JaneUnchained.com just last night. One of our great contributors, Andy Rudin, was at the pig vigil uh, here near downtown Los Angeles where hundreds and hundreds of pigs uh, travel long distances without food or water. And then these wonderful uh, activists bear witness and give them a touch of love and some water before they're killed, before they're slaughtered. They live miserable lives. Uh, but so I have to look at all of that and I, I go to these vigils, uh, but I don't know how you do it. You have to look at some of the most terrific footage. How do you, how do you hold up? It's really difficult. Uh, there's definitely something called compassion fatigue and that's a real thing. Um, however, what I do is I know that we're going to fight for those animals and watching that footage it just makes me angry. It just lights the fire. Once again, if I, and feeling complacent and feeling frustrated at things, all I have to do is watch a video and see how these animals are treated and fight even harder. And I think that's what everybody needs to do. I know it's hard to watch, but when you see those videos, even if you already know, even if you're already vegan, you're already an animal rights activist, you're already cruelty-free, you need to keep watching those videos because the cruelty never ends. They have no break from cruelty. And we need to continue to stop it. Our fire can never, ever, ever burn out. Let me ask you a difficult question. Is animal experimentation diminishing or increasing? That's actually a really hard question to answer because I was hoping that, you know, it would be decreasing. And it has in terms of products, as we're seeing, you know, with this recent legislation and legislation that we've enacted as well, just getting the information out there. However, in terms of the biomed industry, I don't see it diminishing at all, unfortunately. That's why so many people have to do different things. And what you were saying, Jane, about just preventing disease, if everyone had a vegan diet and just started eating healthier, exercising, then we wouldn't need all these medications that then the biomed industry claims that they need to test on animals for. And have you noticed how when you turn on the TV, it's not if it's not a fast food commercial, it's a pharmaceutical commercial, and the side effects often sound worse than whatever it is you're trying to cure. I mean, you know, uh, if you've got, I don't even want to repeat them because the side effects are so horrific, but sometimes it's like if, if suicidal ideation, you know, it's like, well, what could be worse than that? You know, and, and this is such a sick society. Just the idea that they're selling drugs on on uh, on TV and saying, "Ask your doctor." You know, the doctors are supposed to diagnose you and tell you what you need. You're not supposed to go to the doctor like they're a drug pusher and say, "Hey, doc, give me that little whatever color pill," uh, because I think. I think I have X, Y, Z. That's not how it's supposed to work. And this is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Um, just, the, uh, just the cholesterol lowering drugs alone are a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And if you want to lower your cholesterol, stop eating the source of the cholesterol, which is animal products. There is no cholesterol in plants. There's no cholesterol in fruits or vegetables. It just doesn't exist. So do, do your doctors tell you that? No, because if you've ever been to a hospital and you see these nicely dressed people that seem to be carrying little tra uh, carry-on travel suitcases with them, those suitcases are filled with drug samples and they give the drug samples to the doctors and they establish relationships with them and try to push the doctors to prescribe those particular drugs. So the doctors are getting it from all ends. They're getting the 
the consumers coming in saying, give me this. They're getting the pharmaceutical industry saying, give them this. And yet what we could do is prevent it. Meanwhile, animals are being tortured by the millions, indeed even billions, because of all of this. So it's in our power. Remember, the power of the purse, your shopping choices. Use Cruelty Cutter, the app. Tell us once again, Cruelty Cutter. Cruelty-Cutter. Cruelty-Cutter, you've got to use it. It's amazing. It tells you if a product is cruelty-free. And also, you can take action. You can share the results on Twitter, on Facebook. Yeah. We have emails that are pre-written, and you can send it to the company saying you are that they test on animals. Our ultimate goal, also with Cruelty-Cutter, is to take that data to those companies and what we're going to do is buy some stocks so we can go to a shareholders meeting and say, yes. in this many years, just from our users alone, this is how much money you lost. And we're hoping that that's finally going to make a difference and it's going to raise awareness and get these companies to stop testing. Oh, wow. You have taken on perhaps the toughest battles of our era. We want to thank you so much. Shannon Key. Uh, the the leader, and uh, she has an incredible team, but the leader of Rescue Freedom Project. Go to rescuefreedomproject.org. Get the Cruelty Cutter app. Join us. Together, we can change the world. We have momentum. And um, what we need is for other people to get on board. So share this video. Donate to rescuefreedomproject.org. Get the Cruelty Cutter app. And together, we can Stop this barbarism. It's so medieval, it's time to evolve. So thank you very much for watching and we'll see you next time. And I always wanna thank Voice America for giving us the opportunity to, uh, to say these things because there are very few uh, mainstream outlets that will even let us discuss this. So thank you to Tacey Trump, our EP, and Matt today who was uh, guiding us through the show. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.